What is the longest you've ever waited for something? I mean, I know in the past few seconds you're like, is he ever going to start? <laughs> What's the longest you've ever waited for something? You can, you can answer this. I'm a, this is not just rhetorical, if anyone has an answer. Anybody? What's the longest you've waited for something? 60 years? Yeah. Anybody else? What's the longest you've waited for something? 28 years and I'm still in the job. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. So, I, w- I was talking to, to Cole a few days ago. And there are a couple of video games that we like to play together. And I don't know if any of y'all have ever played Final Fantasy VII. So back in the day when PlayStation was just PlayStation, there wasn't PS2 or PS5, it was just PlayStation. There was this game, Final Fantasy VII, which is like one of the greatest video games of all time. And so I played it 25, around 25 years ago. But the problem was, in playing that game, there are save points that you have where you save your progress. And at some point, you have to choose which characters you're going to keep and which ones you're going to kind of leave behind. And that impacts how well you're able to fight going into the next battle. Well, the problem was, I spent hours playing this game, and... At a certain save point, I think I made the wrong choice on <clears throat> who the characters I was going to take into the next stage was. <clears throat> and you see, I'm, st- I'm getting choked up about it. <laughs> um, I made the wrong choice. And I never was able to finish and beat the game because I didn't want to start back over and go through all of what I had been through the hours and hours and hours to get it. So I've in some sense been waiting 25 years to beat this game. And so, you know, I was talking to Cole. I know this is a long time. Um, and, and so I was talking to Cole earlier this week and he was talking about, you know, buying the, the game on his PS five cause they've remastered it. And so there's a potential for us doing that um, and playing it together Whenever he comes home for Christmas, we'll see if that happens. But, you know, that's a really lame example of waiting. Just thinking of that always being on my mind in some capacity, you know, however small. It's usually just kind of back there in the, in the background, not very important. But there are some things, and, and I say that because there are some things that are, you know, sort of trivial that you can be waiting for. There are some things that have just maybe always bothered you and that haven't changed for some period of time like, like that. And then you can, you can think about other things that are of way more importance. That maybe you've been waiting 60 years for something. Maybe, maybe you've just been waiting a couple years. The anticipation of Christmas, when I was a kid, it was difficult to wait till Christmas morning to open up whatever gifts I was going to get. I was always the first one up, just sitting there on the couch, just waiting, you know, when's everyone else going to get up? And I've never been, I've never been great at, at waiting. And there are some things that are difficult 
to wait for. Some things that you, you just go ahead and jump on in before you should because you just can't wait because you want to take it into your own hands and say, I want to be in control of this. And so when we talk about the idea of hope, hope is, by definition, unrealized fully. Otherwise, it wouldn't be hope. It would just, it would just be. Um, and when it comes to the, the people of God who we are even now in 2023, we are still in a position of, of waiting, of hoping. And we come from a long line of, of people who are waiting and hoping. And I want this week and this morning particularly... To, to encourage each one of us as we celebrate the first coming of Jesus to realize how much waiting happened for that. And then as we continue to look forward to the second advent, how much waiting has been involved in that and still is involved in that. And to... To set your heart, to get your mind to, to think about, to try and grasp to some extent that God has meant this, has designed it to be this way for whatever reason. That he has made us a people who are supposed to wait on him, who are supposed to put our hope in him, even when we haven't been able to see the results when we haven't gotten the answers that we've been looking for and where this begins is all the way back in the beginning in Genesis 3 how long have people have humans been waiting how long have they had hope well hope started in the beginning, because sin happened in the beginning. I mean, not the, the beginning of the beginning. You know, not Genesis 1, but just Genesis 3. Just a couple chapters later. And many of you are familiar with it. Many of you have grown up in church. You're familiar with Genesis 3. It's when Adam and Eve take of the fruit, the forbidden tree, and they eat. Their eyes are opened. They weren't willing, weren't able didn't want to follow God's command. They didn't believe God as he should have been believed. Did God really say, can you really trust God? Does God really have your best in mind? If he's telling you, you can't have that. If he's telling you to wait, or if he's telling you, not yet. How is, how is a good God going to say that to somebody? Right, that's what the devil basically is saying is, can you really trust what this guy has to say? And they're like, no, you're right. No, we can't. And, and so they eat. And as soon as that happens, God pronounces a curse on them. He curses the serpent. He curses 
the man and the woman. But even in the midst of that cursing, in Genesis chapter 3, let's just read these curses. In Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 14, it says, The Lord, the, the Lord, <laughs> getting a little uh, <laughs> strange here, a little. All right, try this again. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return." Wow, what hope. <laughs> and when you read that you know, in full, and you don't concentrate on any particular part, that's a lot of not hope. Right? Anybody with me on that? Like there, there's a lot of awfulness that's happening. I mean, there's awfulness for the serpent. He's got to crawl on his belly. There's awfulness for the woman. She's got to have pain and childbearing, right? Some of you have experienced that. Uh, there's... You know, husband's going to rule over you. To the man, he's, he's supposed to work, but now his work is working against him. Thorns and thistles and by the sweat of your brow, no longer is it going to be a fully joyful experience and something that you want to do. You're not going to want to do it. It's going to be frustrating. Whenever you work on something, it's going to fall apart and then you're going to have to work on it again. But even in the first curse, when he's talking to the serpent, there is hope. There's hope in the midst of all that despair and fear and doubt. And it's there in verse 15. It says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He, so talking about the offspring, he, the offspring, shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This is what we consider as the first instance of hope of the gospel. You need hope whenever things aren't as they should be, when things aren't as you want them to be, when things aren't the way God intended originally. And so this is the first instance of hope. There is a hope here that the devil, the serpent, the one who has brought all this negative into the world, who has deceived us and we believed him. He is going to be overcome. He is not going to always win. And so from the beginning, there is hope. And I don't know where you stand on how, on what year you think Genesis 3 happened. Or Genesis 4, Genesis 5. And I don't think it really matters that much. Especially in the realm of, okay, at least this had to have been 6,000 years ago. And maybe it was longer than that. 
But you're talking about from the time of Genesis 3 to at least Abraham, to Genesis 12. Let's just call it that. There had to have at least been 2,000 years. Okay, So if you're talking about at least 4,000 B.C. when Genesis 3 happens, 2,000 years until sort of God's next step in his plan of giving hope to his people happens. Of, of coming back in to focus and saying, this is the way in which I'm going to begin the process. He gives us a glimpse of hope that we can live with hope. But then he waits 2,000 years because that's a, around 2,000 B.C., somewhere in that 20th century B.C., was when Abraham likely lived. So if you go from 4,000, 2,000, 2,000 years, it takes to get to Genesis 12. And you have, how, how is God, how are you going to do this? I mean, he basically kills everybody in the flood, right? Except for a handful of people. He says, man, this is, you people are awful. <laughs> um, and he kind of starts over and then they build a tower to Babel and they're thinking, oh, look at how wonderful and mighty we are. And God's like, man, y'all just don't get it. There's no one who seeks after me except this one guy, Noah. And so I'm just going to kind of clean house and start over with him. And he does. And they keep doing it even in Genesis 11 after Noah. and Genesis 12, God finally breaks through and he says, okay, I've got a plan. And here's how this plan is going to start. It's going to be through this man and his family. And so Genesis 12, the Lord calls Abram, Abraham. In verse 1, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So we have the next step in the process of hope. 2,000 years have passed, and finally he calls Abram and says, through you and through your family, I'm going to make a great nation and all the, all the nations of the earth, all the families of the earth are going to be blessed through you. This first gospel iteration that I gave in Genesis 3, it's going to end up coming through you and your family in Genesis 12. And so we've got Abraham in around 2000 BC where we have this. And how long does it take before we actually finally get to Jesus coming? 2,000 years. Now, don't hear me saying, oh, well, 2,000 years later, and then Jesus is going to come back. Okay, I'm not, not just going to keep going on the 2,000-year bandwagon, but um, <laughs> let's just get that out of the way. Um, but 2,000 years again, where the people of God, who he has chosen and said, I'm going to bless this family, this man, and his offspring, and through him, I am going to do something and bring about the salvation that I've promised. But how long did these people have to wait? 2,000 years. And, and so when we think of what it means to be a people who hope, we need to recognize that our spiritual ancestry is with all of these people in the Old Testament. Just because we're not Jewish and of the line of Abraham doesn't mean that we are not part of him. 
right? Father Abraham had many sons. <laughs> um, so, so we recognize and feel with the people of God in the Old Testament. We see ourselves as part of the spiritual family of Abraham. And these people had to wait. God said, I'm going to do something through you. And you're thinking, okay, maybe with the son, maybe with the grandson. Well, maybe when you're big enough to have your own nation and you have enough people under you. And it's like, well, they, and then, then they get delivered into slavery and, and then they've got to be delivered. Okay, maybe now, maybe Moses is the man. No, not, not quite. You know, and that's, I don't know, depending on what you think, 1400, 1200 B.C., Several hundred years. No, it's not going to happen with Moses. Then you have finally kings come. And David. Maybe David's going to be the one. No, no, not David. David's about 1,000 B.C. Nope. And then you just see the, the decline of the kings and the nation of Israel and Judah. You're thinking, I don't think God's ever going to do anything. If he was going to do something, he should have done it with Moses. He should have done it with David. He should have done it with someone who was in a position to do something. And he didn't. Not fully. And then what we are able to see through the word that's been preserved for us is the fact that, wow, God did finally do something. But the waiting, the hope that was required for the people of God for thousands of years was finally realized in Jesus. So when I ask the question, you know, what's the longest you've ever waited for something? Part of what is difficult for some of us, and maybe I should speak for myself, but part of what's difficult for some of us is to see beyond our own lifetime, to see ourselves as part of something bigger, to see ourselves as not just me and my life and, you know, the 30 or 40 or 60 or 80 years that I might have on this earth. But when you look at the timeline of these thousands of years and the, the recognition, the solidarity, the, the connection that we have with these other people of God who have been waiting, who were waiting for Jesus to come in the first place. And then now, here we are, 2023, 2,000 years post-Jesus walking this earth. We have been promised that he's going to come again and that we are able to recognize still That just because he came in the first time doesn't mean all things have been made new and all things are perfect. Because they're not. And if you think all things are perfect, all you have to do is sit there and listen to me and realize, no, not everything's perfect. (laughs) Right? Because this guy's messed up. Everything might be perfect in my life, but not in that guy's. Uh, All things aren't as they should be. 
And so for 2,000 years, the church has been left in a position of waiting, of hope. Of hope that one day, as Jesus was raised from the dead, we too will be raised with him. And that might require us dying first. Right? If you think nothing's wrong with your life, the fact that you're going to die is something that's wrong. Because it wasn't supposed to be like that originally. And so again, I think one of the things that I, I want us, that I want to encourage us in is to, to have this identification of being a part of something larger than our own selves. And one of the things that we're able to do whenever we celebrate a season like Advent, a season like Thanksgiving and Christmas, we're able to reflect upon what God has done and how he has been true to his word. We're able to see how people had to patiently wait for that. And then we come to the New Testament and see ourselves as being the people who Peter is writing to in 1 Peter 1. He says, you've set your hope on the living God. You need to live with hope. And if you don't have hope, what is it that's even keeping you going? And so on one hand, you're able to celebrate hope, that we have hope. We, we don't live as those who have no hope. We have a hope. Our hope is in Jesus. Our hope is Jesus. Our hope is not in our faith. Our hope is not in the things that we've done and in our works. Our hope is Jesus himself, that he has come the first time and that he said he was going to come again and that we are waiting for that to happen. And that if we are truly a part of the overall church and the people of God, we are a people who have been waiting for 2,000 years now, give or take a few. And so to think that, man, this is unbearable that I have to wait two years for this thing to happen in my life or 25 years to happen or 60 years, I don't want to downplay or downgrade any of that stuff that's going on in your life, the things that you legitimately want to see and that ought to happen and that the Lord has made his word clear to say, hey, I I want all people to come to a knowledge of the truth. And we say, well, I want this person to come to faith. I want this person to be a Christian. I I want this thing to happen in my life. I, I don't want to have to keep struggling in this way. I want to see this other person be able to overcome their problems or addictions or whatever. Like there are things in our lives that we are hopeful for and rightfully so. But there are things beyond our life that we can say, I'm a part of the people of God who are just waiting. And that I can rest in the hope that I do have. In Jesus. And if you 
If you don't have that hope, if hope is not something that comes on your radar, then it is my encouragement this morning to try and get it on your radar. Because one of the things that keeps us from living in hope and having our eyes focused on Christ, our hope, our living hope, is the fact that there are things that distract us in this world. There are things that keep our eyes focused on the temporary, the here and now. You know, I was, you know, talking to Lee downstairs and, you know, we were just saying, you know, how's it going? And I'm like, well, you know, depends on the perspective that I choose to have in this moment. You know, things are, things are great or things are awful because there are plenty of things that I don't like about my life. There are plenty of things that I would rather not do because I'm all about not doing stuff. I would rather them just be and just be able to sit and exist. But I've got to go work on a car this afternoon out of town. I don't want to do that. I want someone else to do it. And I'm willing to pay. But, you know, and so I can have that perspective and saying, you know, I've got to drive, you know, over an hour and a half away and I've got to do this stuff and then I've got to work this week and I don't even know what that's going to look like and I've got to pay bills and yada, yada, yada. You know, things are going on in your life. Oh man, you know, well, I've got this physical thing happening or like I'm still waiting for a job, you know, and I've got a, I'm still in school, which is, you know, I would rather not. And I've, I've got this family issue or I've got these friends who I, I don't know how to deal with or, or, or whatever it is in your life. I, you know, a myriad of things. And it's easy to, to stay focused on that stuff. And, and we do need to do what we can to, to work in the midst of all that. And to what God has given us, the ability, the opportunity to learn, to, to do, we ought to do. We have been saved by grace through faith. And he has prepared us for good works. He's prepared us to do stuff. He has given us the ability to provide for our families, to, to make money, to, to be a blessing to our families, to friends, to other people who are less fortunate. The way that God has blessed Abraham, Abram, it's a constant prayer that I pray. The way that I've been blessed, I want to be a blessing to other people. And, and I, there's, there's a hope that I have that in blessing these other people, they'll be able to see what my hope is. They'll be able to get a glimpse of Jesus. And, and so in the midst of all of that stuff that's going on in your life, do you have the perspective that says, hey, I'm, but I have a hope. Yeah, this stuff is going on, but I'm not going to just dwell on that. I'm going to realize that it's there. I'm not going to act like it's not there. But in the midst of it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have hope. I'm going to say, yeah, it's not as I want it to be. It's not as it should be. And so the kind of the phrase that 
I was thinking about to maybe help us when it comes to hope. Because hope can, you know, it's just one of those words that's kind of vague in general. That a lot of people, well, you know, I hope this happens. You know, I hope you do well on your test. Well, okay. I mean, I have a not always heartfelt emotion toward you. You know, I hope you do better. I I hope you get well. But I can't do anything about it. And, you know. Come back next week and hopefully you're well. And so one of the, one of the phrases I, I just thought about to maybe park it in our minds is informed longing. So um, this podcast I was listening to this week, again, this same one I, I mentioned last week or two. It's a different episode. I really appreciate it because I think it just, again, went along well with this idea of, of patience, of waiting, of, of hope. Um, and he was talking about reason and the role that rationale, that reason plays in our life as Christians. And how not everything is just intellectual, like you can't just come to a mental ascent of the information and that's all that you need and that's all that's required. Because we as humans are made up of more than just intellect. We're made up of more than just reason. Reason is important and it has its place. Shouldn't discount it. But we have to realize that we are creatures of emotion also. Like our will is determined by more than just reason. I mean, if we only did everything because it was reasonable, there would be a lot less pain happening in our own lives, right? But just because something we know is right doesn't mean that's what we're actually doing. Like, I I know I should do these things, but I would just rather not because I'm not feeling it, right? I mean, our volition, our will doesn't always catch up with that. And so it's important to understand that there's a balance to be had and that we are creatures of emotion and of our will that's informed by reason. And so that's why I just I thought of this little phrase, informed longing. We are not unaware of what our hope is in and where our hope lies. We are able to read it. We are able to experience it. And so it's informed. There's information that we have been given through the word of God and with the people of God. And, and there's a longing. Like, I, I want this to happen. Like, is it really hope if you don't actually really want it to happen? Right? I can know this is supposed to happen, but that doesn't mean I want it to happen. And so marrying those two things together as a definition of hope. As a way to look at hope. I know this should happen. It's reasonable. It's true. And I want it to. I'm longing for it to. I'm I'm posturing my heart so that it actually catches up with my mind. That's what I would hope. For us is in this season we have an informed longing. And, and that's what we celebrate in communion. We celebrate the fact that Jesus has come. 
that he has given his body and his blood was poured out for us. But we don't just remember. He does say, do this in remembrance of me. But we also look forward to him coming again when we're able to have this together with him. And so that's one of the reasons why I wanted us to celebrate communion today and even over the next few weeks as well. It's because I think communion is a, is a perfect picture that we're able to partake of together that exemplifies the hope that we have. The hope in Jesus, his person and work on the cross for us, his body and blood that was broken and shed for us. And then the hope that we have that just as he was raised from the dead, we too are going to have that eternal life with him and able to celebrate even these same elements together with him. And so I invite you um, just over the next minute or so to spend some time praying. Um, And as the Lord leads you here over the next minute, would invite you as Christians to go back and take a cup and a piece of bread, bring it back to your seats, and then here in a couple minutes we'll all take of them together. So spend some time in prayer um, and then get the elements and come back and we'll take them.